Welcome to the Metal Zone podcast from February 22nd, 2021. Uh, this is episode 43, and I'm Tom. And I'm Stefan. And on today's episode, freeboating and stolen content. Um, Tom's website was basically ripped uh, and translated into another language for affiliate sales. Uh, my videos were stolen and put on Instagram. Um, my videos were stolen and shots of it were used for for Amazon sales, uh, selling threaded inserts. Yeah, Chelsea's 3D models were sold without permission. And also Angus from Maker's Muse um, had some of his yeah videos stolen and put under another name on reddit for reddit karma uh yeah lots of interesting things to talk about and uh what you what we could potentially do about that uh then we have a couple of corrections on the eco-friendly pla topic um then prusa supposedly shipping to the uk again and the discussion if yeah tea bags made from pla are plastic-free and eco-friendly and better than paper ones. Eco-friendly teabagging. Sounds like sounds like the next big thing for, for Call of Duty. Um, next up, uh, Creality supposedly shipping Trojans in their Ender 5 software suite. Um, that's something that Make Magazine is reporting. There's another topic, or, or once again, there's a topic about a uh, 3D printed home. Just a quick one. And three questions that we got from you guys. Um, could you print in an SLA, no, SLS process with PLA and PTG? Um, are there simulation methods for simulating FDM prints? And what are the criteria Stefan is using for his super fast 10 minute Benchy? I'm looking really tired. <laughs> Uh, don't 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 worry. I look I look tired as well. And it is seven fifty five. It is seven fifty five, and we we have recorded the last couple of podcasts. I think mostly in the morning, which was really really weird in some kind of way. Yeah, because usually we used to do these uh, after work for you or on your day off or something. And yeah, yeah. <clears throat> new new times, new flexibilities, and a new times. And apparently flexibilities for, for other people to steal our stuff too. Yes. Damn it. So um, <sighs> I, I, I don't know. I, I had the song lyrics. I, I had the lyrics of a, a German song in my head for a couple of days who totally <laughs> described the problem. Um, do you know the German band Die Prinzen? Yes. <laughs> es ist alles nur geklaut. So everything is stolen. I don't know. I was just playing that in my head for the last couple of days so for everyone who doesn't know uh die prinzen uh <laughs> probably a lot of you uh Ger german pop band which was i think pretty popular in the 90s yeah with with a with an emphasis on was like they're... was yeah i think they're they're not really popular anymore and um yeah the the there is one song which is called es ist alles nur geklaut everything is stolen and I think for the last four weeks, I had so many stuff happening in terms of 
freebooting and stealing my content and also your content was stolen and Chelsea's content was stolen and uh, Angus's content was stolen. So I, I guess let's, let's, let's dive right into freebooting. Um, free? yeah. What is freebooting? Right. What is free? What What is freebooting? Uh, I guess I guess to 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 explain this. So let's let's start at the beginning. Um, Stefan, you and me, we produce digital assets. Essentially, um, we produce videos. Other people produce three D models. Um, then again, others produce you know any, anything digital: music, videos, models has a copyright attached to it naturally you don't have to register that just as the creator you have the copyright to that um what is it guys think it's to what's the, the content word? uh well your your um property um yeah well your own proper we, we, we were okay intellectual property In, yes yes your yes. ip we, we were just talking about how we're, we're probably the number one podcast in the 3d printing space and i'm, I'm starting to wonder how we got there <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah whoever produces ip intellectual property in any way naturally owns the rights to that and you know when you put that up on the internet you don't you don't forfeit those rights you you, you, you keep those you still have the right to say okay you get to do this with my with the stuff that i post online or you don't get to do this with the stuff that i don't post online that's what we know as licenses some people choose to publish as creative commons which has some rights uh, or some some restrictions lifted um typically when you publish a youtube video or a song online that's all rights reserved so there are very limited fair use uh, principles that can be that, that are applied to that if somebody else wants to use that or they're going to have to license it. Now, in the age of the internet, um, where everything is anonymized and you know nobody is, is, is traceable with a real name and all that sort of stuff, people come along and they just take your content because they're like, well, what are you going to do? Take your content, they upload it to Instagram in your case um, to, to advertise for their brand, be that a, a physical product that they're selling or a... Uh, a brand page, a brand persona that they're trying to promote. Um, they post it onto Reddit just to get what's the the, the Reddit currency of of dopamine dopamine release? Uh, karma, karma. Yes, to get karma on Reddit. Um, yet others, you know, steal articles to uh, to uh, SEO booster their website, and they're not paying for that. They're not putting any effort into it. Well, they're not. They might be putting some effort into it. But they are not creating that content. They're just taking somebody else's content who, you know, somebody else who has worked to produce that and they're taking that for free. Yeah, AKA and they're not booting. crediting them because... That well, as well, yes. Using it, I think, well, in the terms of fair use is is okay to some extent, but yep. just not plainly copying everything and, uh, yeah, using that content to either earn money or earn karma or i don't know whatever they're doing with that and yeah as i said that that happened quite a bit to me as as um, well over the last couple of weeks yeah so while <sighs> while well, you while you're thinking about that let me let me just preface this with somebody else taking my stuff and and selling it off as their own not cool 
um, somebody asking me to to use my stuff in a presentation, in a study, in something educational, or even to to report on it. If you you know if you don't just you know copy the entire video or something, if you that's that's all okay you know i i get people asking me uh, a ton hey you know i'm i'm doing this paper on xy can i reference you sure be my guest absolutely okay but when it comes to the point where it's where it's for profit um hey i i want some of the profit if you're making it off of my work <laughs> because i put the effort in and you didn't no. that's as not no, not as you stefan but as mm. in you out there who's stealing it Okay. So previously, I think YouTube had quite a bad reputation for uploading content that you, you, you just didn't own. And YouTube started way back in the days to add their content ID system. Yeah. So what basically happens if somebody uploads one of our videos or even just part of the video, that actually pops up in our copyright tab within YouTube. It's yeah. not always super accurate. I think they're, they're not catching everything, but in the past, like regularly every, every couple of months, just somebody took a whole video and uploaded it on their own channel to promote their own brand. And uh, YouTube makes it quite easy. You can, they recognize that it's your content and you can just say, okay, file a, a content ID claim and within like hours it was gone yeah. and you were notified like automatically you didn't have to look for it yeah but that is a that is a relatively recent addition that that tool is available for smaller content creators um, there's still the, con the, the the more powerful content ID that's available to uh, music labels and and film studios so we get like a content id light that we can use yeah. exclusively on youtube so if somebody uploads a youtube video onto youtube that gets picked up yeah, yeah. okay so what recently happened uh was i got a message from from somebody from a couple of guys i think on twitter and they told me hey there is an instagram channel who uploaded part of your video and it was quite a big Instagram channel with I think 50 well big with 50,000 with 50,000 followers and he just yeah put my video on his page and showed it to to his viewers and didn't didn't credit me yeah so was was S that for for commercial gain or just for boosting <sighs> the channel I mean I think it was just for boosting the channel just I don't know I'm honestly not not really sure uh, how monetization on Instagram works, but I think I, I I don't think you earn as much on Instagram, at least with a, like a medium or small size channel as yeah. you could, could on YouTube. But yeah, it it was one of the uh, one of my um, nozzle cam videos, so it was a really satisfying video, and and people really liked it and engaged with the video, and I think. At the time when I found it, it already had 50,000 views after a couple of hours. And I'm a too nice of a guy. So I tried to reach out to the channel and said, Hey, uh, what the fuck? Can you please 
uh, not upload my, or uh, can you please delete my video? That That's my content. Um, after a day, he didn't res respond to me. And I, for the first time, uh, filed a copyright claim on, on Instagram. Um, it's not as straightforward as, as on YouTube. But basically, you fill out a form and reference uh, who you are and why this is your content, which is on that channel. And I, if not even 48 hours later, the whole channel was deleted. <laughs> Okay, um, that's that's quite something. Apparently, they they found. I mean, for for one single infringement, I don't yeah. think they delete the whole channel. Yeah. So maybe they they look through it and like, well, this is this is all stolen stuff. Yeah. So how it works on YouTube? Um, there is a strike system. Uh, when you have the first copyright strike, you get limited in with some features. At the second strike, I think you can't upload videos for. A couple of days and as soon as you have the third copyright strike like your whole channel is gone um if you have a copyright strike it will be like gone again after a certain amount of time so yeah. uh, but i don't know how it works on instagram but the interesting thing was that really yeah the the, the channel was gone <laughs> after 48 hours and yeah. i don't know i felt bad i don't i felt bad why, why I, would you yeah it's <laughs> I don't know because I'm too nice of a guy. Um, after a while, I realized, yeah, wh why should you feel bad? Because he just took your content. To be honest, I uploaded that content on on Reddit under my name, right. and he somehow just took it from there and, and put it on yeah. there. But the thing I want to talk about here is that I, I can still remember the moment before I wanted to put it on on Reddit. And I had the video finished and I was just about to upload it. And I thought, oh, why not put a, a watermark on there? Just because I, I, I really, in, well, I really enjoyed the video. Yeah. Because it was like one of these typical, oddly satisfying videos. Okay. So I went back into Resolve. I put a, like a, a watermark in there, which was not really obviously visible. And uh, this was one of the reasons why also uh, a couple of other people contacted me and, and uh, said, hey, uh, isn't that your content that, that this guy is using? Isn't that your logo in the video? Yeah. So watermarking stuff, I think it was years ago when I heard either Destin from Smarter Every Day or Mark Rober talk about watermarking content i think it was i think it was destined with his high speed shots yeah. oh those, those are super shareable yeah. because he said that basically watermark everything that could be reused in some way out of context um because this is the only way how you can prevent it and how you can later easily tell that it that it was your content and uh, it was a lesson learned for me and it worked out really well for, for that video. And I, if I will be doing something similar in the future, I'll be doing that as well. Yeah, sure, sure thing, sure thing. But the, so you got, you got the, that Instagram channel deleted, but did you get compensated for, you know, whatever damage was done or, I mean, no. The, 
it is hard to put a value on hey is there a damage that is done to the original creator because it's it's digital content it can be copied without you know the the original getting deteriorated but it is deteriorating or it is it is taking away from the views that you're getting on the original video potentially and it is you know profiting off of someone else's mm-hmm. work which is yeah. but so you it's basically just a slap it's not even a slap on the wrist um it's more like well we're taking away your toy do whatever you want after this buy a new toy make a new channel what is stopping that person that that you know uploaded your stuff and and most likely uploaded lots of other people's stuff uh, onto that channel and got that big from doing it again well he was kind of punished in a way that he well he lost 50,000 Instagram followers. But and those Instagram. weren't legit followers. Like, he didn't work for that. <laughs> he, I'm, 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 well, he, he worked for it, that yeah. in a way that he, maybe part of his, his content was stolen from somebody else. Oh, I, yeah. I think there was probably also legitimate content from himself on the channel. But, but yeah, in the end, I think people still pour a lot of work and something like that. And what what I'm always asking myself, if they are aware of that fact that they are doing something wrong and basically stealing content from somebody else, or did they grow up in a society where, uh, well, basically the, everything that is on the internet is free content and you can use it for everything you like? I don't know. I I mean we we grew up with you, you and me we we in the generation we grew up with Emule and uh LimeWire and and that sort of stuff. <laughs> we we have a understanding of what at what at what point what you were doing was legal and at what point it was illegal. Yeah. Um so I guess we we we're kind of sensitized for that. Um yeah. We are sensitized for that, but I think the the difference there is if you're using Emule and Lime, if you used Emule and LimeWire and stuff Which like that, none of us did, by the way. But never, no. Um, you basically just stole something for yourself. Um, uh, you were not in the end like, well, maybe somewhere than selling fake dvds and stuff like that but i i I think you didn't feel that bad because it was digital content nobody really lost something maybe someone lost a sale that way so so you didn't feel that bad and what, what i want to say with that is if you take something from somebody else and just put it on your channel and put it out there in for a community of thousands, hundred thousands, millions and stuff like that. Ah, I would not have felt comfortable at my younger age downloading things from any torrent website and then like building a shop in my town and selling fake or but these people in that that Instagram channel, he wasn't selling your stuff. He was just showing it. I'm I'm playing devil's advocate here. Yeah, he wasn't he wasn't selling your stuff. He was just showing yeah. it to more people. Like he was just sharing it with with other folks. He, he wasn't was charging them for it or anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In in the end, I don't know how the monetization system on Instagram works. 
if you are a channel of a certain size, I think there are definitely ways to get to monetize or maybe just to get free stuff. What we also get, even it's, though that's not direct payment, it's still something that you gain from yeah. like the status that you that you earned yourself. Yeah, um, Instagram monetization, I believe, is mostly like product placements and brand deals. So yeah, not, not like AdSense on YouTube, yeah. just, you know, work with brands. Yeah. Um, yeah, so of course, yeah, he, he might not be, be gaining anything financially in that way, but he still built his brand um, using my content. So, right. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's maybe, maybe to, to get back to the compensation thing. Um, no, I didn't get compensated. Uh, I only get like got like mentally compensated because he was deleted and right. I felt bad, but also felt good but about that that. That, that, that. that compensation that gets old fast. That gets old fast, yeah, definitely. And I, I can't feed my family with that. <laughs> um, this is also something where YouTube works quite well. Music labels still abuse the the content ID and and content claim system, but if somebody is stealing your video and he's making ad revenue with that and you claim that video for yourself you will get that ad revenue which is i think that's a good way i think that's that's a good good way yeah and i think you can even you can even decide at that point okay do you allow the channel to to keep that content on on their channel and you just get the ad revenue which might be also quite good because that's maybe um he's maybe maybe targeting an audience that you don't have so yeah why not um so again i think youtube is is doing a a pretty good job in that direction yeah but again that they're they're kind of an arbiter here that they're not this isn't what your your legal options are essentially so yeah um with both with with your um stuff being used on instagram or in that case um i'm I'm looking at your screenshots here being used for for amazon um product shots with the threaded inserts um or with um well basically my entire website being cloned most of the time like the the expected reaction to that is hey you send a dmca claim and it gets taken down and that's it so that the there is so Germany and I think France and which which is my case here um does have a a way to uh demand compensation for that. But in the US specifically, mm-hmm. as far as I'm aware, the DMCA is just a, a strike system more or less. Um I'm not a lawyer, but um it's like hey, it's it's that it's literally that slap on the wrist. Not even that. It's like we're taking the toy where you can't use this content anymore, stop doing that, and you can keep going on you know, the same way um, you were doing things. Mm. And you would basically need to file a lawsuit to get compensated in... In, in the US? Or, I, don't, I don't think right. if, if, if there is a way or if that is even intended, though, again, I'm, I'm on very thin ice here. I, yeah. I know for, for Germany, at least, um, specifically when it, when it comes to images uh, or photos specifically, there is a table that you can reference for how much a photo is worth um, when it's used in a certain context. Um, and in my case that I posted on, on Twitter about with my Ron 3D, um, basically just copying my entire blog and, um, copying other people's blog as well. 
you know that that does add up when you have hundred literally hundreds of articles um with a dozen images each um being uh being straight copied that's you know that that's that's if if that was properly compensated mm-hmm. that would bank bankrupt somebody for sure yeah maybe just tell us a little bit what what really happened to your website because i don't know okay. if everyone really has that the context in that direction because okay. i think that's also a pretty interesting case i'm trying to get the autofocus to catch me again okay it wants to focus on the mic um okay so it's i don't know how big of a uh, website or channel this is it's it's more like uh you know the very small fish here but okay myron 3d um if you if you go to myron3d.com it's an affiliate seo website basically a fake shop with um, a bunch of articles listed that all lead to an an amazon listing through affiliate links we see those all the time they're 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 being hyped up as niche websites and like well this is the you know earn passive income yada 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 uh get rich without no work scheme basically and attached to that affiliate spamming site, essentially, um, is a blog, they're calling it. And that blog basically uh, consists of other people's blogs being copied together and machine translated into Fran- Fr- French, into the, f- the, f- the France language, uh, being machine translated into French. And they basically ripped every single one of my articles. So I decided to have some fun and see like how how quickly would they copy stuff and I just posted stuff on my website and they picked it up within 12 hours or something. Um, so now they have two big articles on there that says, hey, by the way, Myron 3D is stealing content from Tom3D.org. And yeah. I just I just checked your link and it now says we are sorry for copying content from Tom3D.org. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how, how that got there because it's not on my website. Um, and I think your your articles are actually deleted on there. On the on the Myron site? Yes, I'm just checking the archive and don't see anything from you anymore. So, so how how did are you? They... No, it's it's. I'm still seeing it. I'm still seeing the the. Oh, hold on, the the older stuff. Um, might be because I've not posted a, a full article in a while, but they're still there, as far okay. as I know. Um, ah, yeah, it's still here. Yeah, Prusa Mini Review. Exactly. Yeah, that's actually the, the newest article on my website. Okay. So yeah, it's it's one of those things again where you don't have a handle against this sort of stuff. Like I can't even get this taken down because they don't have an imprint, which is legally required in Germany and France. Um, their um, who is uh, for their Myron 3D domain is all redacted for privacy. Um, mm-hmm. Like what? What are, what are you gonna do? So basically, with without an, a lawyer, probably a French lawyer, there yes. is no real option for doing anything against that. I I did we, contact we... Uh, VBS, um, who some of you might know from the Article 13 um, discussions, that they were one of the big YouTube channels covering that stuff um, on YouTube. YouTube channels on YouTube, yeah. Um, so Solmecke, um, his um, legal agency, whatever it's called. Um, but I contacted them and they were like, ah, it's, it's, you know, it's international and it's all redacted and we, you know, as a German 
Laurie, we can't really do much there. Like maybe get one in France, but eh. Yeah. It it really is that well, it's gonna be so much effort to just get to who is is actually stealing your stuff mm. to take any recourse against them where it's like oh, it's you know we have to put in so much work and and you know legal work paying a lawyer costs you real mm. money um where there's no guaranteed outcome yeah um i guess there is a loophole where the the provider myron 3d's provider ovh um they are required to cooperate with me as the copyright owner and if they don't do that they can be held liable directly okay so i'm i'm trying that right now okay do you well i i see a lot of aliexpress links on there i think aliexpress doesn't really care but amazon is usually quite strict in that regard is there a way to 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 try to contact amazon and tell them okay this is a website that is using copyrighted content to get affiliate sales um, because you, Amazon is usually not cool about that. Yeah, Amazon is is very not cool about a lot of things, but um <laughs> there is no official form to to report something like that. Um somebody on Twitter um told me hey they they did report it to the Amazon affiliates team. Okay. Mm, but I don't know if it's just, you know, sending them an email and, and mm. hoping for a reply. Uh, I, I just checked your link again, and uh, if you translate it, um, it was a mistake, and Myron3D uh, takes full responsibility for it. Myron3D is uh, prepared to give Thomas Saladero 5,000 euros in compensation for each stolen post and an additional 5,000 euros <laughs> to charity for each stolen post. Uh, so you, you got to be rich now. Oh, yeah. I, I sure hope they follow through on, on what they're saying here. Yeah. Um, so it's it's good to see that they have realized their mistake and uh... yeah. So, but again, this just shows. I don't know. This is this is really criminal behavior, because again, he's he's just probably lying in that post. I don't know. Maybe you get a, a big paycheck in a couple of weeks and and everything's fine. Uh, but in the end, this is just criminal behavior using stolen con content to make money. And it is kind of sad that there is no kind of easy way to stop something like that in the EU. If this would yeah. be a Chinese, Thailand, what, whatever website. Yeah, of course. It's, but it's from France. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're like... And even even if it was even if it was a German website, um, you know, you are required to have an imprint. A lot of websites don't. Um, you are required to provide some sort of of uh, contact me feature, and it's like just just getting to the point where you have somebody to pin down for mm. for 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 stealing stuff is yeah. so hard already. Yeah. Even if it, you know, those laws are made, you know, requiring people to have an imprint, uh, mm -hmm. those laws are are made to have somebody responsible. Mm -hmm. The thing is, we as in, you know, we, we we're playing by the rules. You and me, we, we we have our website, we have the imprint, we have all the disclaimers in the world, um, and by having all that, we're not we're we're not actually better off. We're just making ourselves more vulnerable. Um, it's like. Yeah, you you play by the rules. You you're just being punished for it. 
Uh, anyways, um, I guess I guess for for the copyright topic to to get this this to to keep moving forward here, um, Chelsea's post um, yeah. about her models being stolen and being sold. The Bernie meme and the yeah. um, what's the other one? Game stonks. Uh, yeah, yeah, Wall guy. Street bets. Wall Street Street bets. So, as far as I understand, that this is uh, somebody taking the models that um, Chelsea modeled up herself in in record time. By the way, very high quality models, great mm-hmm. stuff, and is selling them. Is selling the physical prints or no i I think he was he was selling just the uh, the stls so she released them for free for free but non-commercial so yeah like um, like we started you know we can't attach any clauses any any conditions to stuff you release on the internet yeah and he was basically yeah just taking the, the models and reselling them and i think that happens well recently them on 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 etsy and i think there are many cases where things like that happen or people uh, grab models from thingiverse that are non-commercial and selling the physical prints of them which is also not okay um if you don't have the um the okay from the owner well, the thing is, selling a physical print of a of an STL, it's from what I understand, it's a bit of a gray area because it's like it's a transformation, and it's like you can't copyright bits. That's that's like the argumentation okay. that that you hear from the people doing it. Mm. Um, I'm transforming a file, and by U.S. law, if you transform something, it's not like it's. I'm not. I'm not selling the STL. I'm selling a transformation of the STL. Mm. No matter if if that's legally okay or not, you're still being mm. an asshole by doing it, mm. uh, and by not at least reaching out to the to the original creator and saying, "Hey, um, I want to sell your stuff. Would you be able to license this to me for a small fee per model?" Like, th- that's one super easy way to work things out, and you're not make. I mean, just add mm. that license fee to whatever you're charging, and you're golden. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again. And- Go ahead watermark it it doesn't prevent that but at least in the end you can more easily prove that something like that happened and that it is your content yeah yeah it's again you you don't get any compensation for people stealing your stuff it's just you have yeah. you just try to, um the the thing that 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 really pisses me off about you know that that entire model stealing thing because it's not this is not the first time we've seen it is is always the attitude that um the thief goes about it it's like mm. well you put it out on the internet you should have expected this um i downloaded it for free so i can use it in whatever way i want and it's <clears throat> you just want to punch something when you hear that uh, something or someone uh, <laughs> Yeah, and it's it's the same with uh, with Chelsea's case here. Um, basically, the the person um, saying, "Well, as far as I'm aware, it's in the public domain," and then comes up with a bullshit story like, "Yeah, you know, so, uh, this has been given to me, saying there's no restrictions applied to it by someone." Which, yeah, 
uh, yeah if you listeners just come across something you think might belong to anyone in the community and and is used for for a similar purpose it's always a good thing to just reach out to them and and ask them hey i've seen something um this can help us yeah remain sustainable self-sustainable because uh in the end we produce content to in the end also earn something from that because it's our income and if people are just using that stuff for free and using yeah and 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 and, and earning money for themselves with it and even like taking views away from from your stuff yeah. it's hurting us as well yeah because i mean on on youtube we have uh obviously we have adsense for for just ads on the videos those make us money youtube premium subscribers um somebody asked me about that on, on twitter actually recently um creators actually earn more when somebody with premium watches their content versus somebody without premium and, and ads uh, watching their stuff. So if somebody with premium watches it, that gets credited to us as well. Um, and also we have we have Patreon, we have affiliate links, we have all that stuff on the videos that helps us uh, make an income off of this stuff and, and make a living off of it, basically. So, yeah. it's Even, even though it's it's free to watch on YouTube, it is like YouTube doesn't charge you to watch the videos and we don't charge you to watch our videos. Yeah. There's still a value for it to be on YouTube and to be watched on YouTube. So, yeah. Do, do you finally have YouTube premium? Oh, I, th I thought about it again yesterday and I was like, oh, God, I, I got to pull the trigger. They actually, you know what? They they should give uh, YouTube creators, like if you're, if you're past... I don't know, 100k or something. That they should just give them YouTube Premium. Let's go like, hey, we appreciate your work on the platform. Spend some more time on YouTube, please. It's I... tax deductible. What, Tom? How? Well, I I at least deducted from my taxes because I of course need to be a YouTube Premium member to watch other content without um, ad breaks. To for research for okay. be more efficient. Right. Uh, and YouTube, well, if you already have Spotify, you don't need it. But YouTube Music, even though the playlists are not that good, uh, you also have like a full a full music streaming service. Is with there it. that there should be a YouTube Premium affiliate program? I feel like, like, like Amazon has for Prime. Yeah. Amazon pays pays like what three bucks five per bucks? five yeah. bucks per Prime trial, even if you don't pay anything. Mm. Um, hey, re remember to put the Amazon Prime trial in the in the, uh, in the show notes today. Um, yeah, so even even if you get a uh, an Amazon Prime trial and you pay you don't pay anything for it, uh, you feel you still get something for it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I do have Spotify uh, family, so there's okay. there's five accounts attached to it, so that that makes a lot of sense. But yeah, okay, premium. Yeah. guys get get premium if you hate ads um or use ad block like i use ad block on the desktop too so it's not a huge deal there <laughs> yeah well I, I watch a lot of videos on on mobile devices and yeah. i i've been paying for youtube premium for years and don't regret it just because i hate watching ads sorry that i put ads on my videos but you gotta do what you gotta do um yeah <laughs> 
like, no. I, again, I, I don't blame anyone who watches my stuff with adblock enabled on desktop. Like I do it too. It's 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 okay. You still watch the videos. You still give it the views. Mm-hmm. That's that's worth something too. But yeah, on on mobile and on on the TV and with the with the YouTube app, it's ads. Uh, yeah. Too too many ads. Too many. And ads. and it supports the creators uh, better than than the ads do too. So, oh. yeah, gotta gotta get the premium. Yeah. It would be interesting. So I'm I'm currently taking a look at my YouTube revenue of the last month, and yeah, almost almost ten percent of the of the the revenue comes from YouTube Premium, and I'm quite sure not that not ten percent of the viewers. Yeah, have you, you can go premium. in and you, you can do CPM um, on okay uh monetized views and on uh prime views not not prime oh, okay. views premium prime, prime's twitch sorry okay. and amazon whatever <sighs> let's do some uh so I, I guess we've got the copyright thing done anything we missed no okay so okay ho- hope that it's not continuing that way discuss that to death um I've got a correction to make uh, from last week's uh, video because you forgot to put that in the show notes. <laughs> Sorry, I may, yeah. I may have put that in too, too late. But um, the question about is PLA eco-friendly was Augustine Arroyo and not Simone Fontana. Um, I credited that to, to Simone, unfortunately. Um, Augustine Arroyo, that, that guy, he posted, and I remember he posted once, hey, by the way, I have a real name, which is Augustine Arroyo. Aka Floralistique. Um, I've always called him Augustine Floralistique because that was his name he was publishing stuff under, and it, <laughs> I, I thought like, well, it, I mean, it's a fancy last name. I'll just go with it. Mm. Um, yeah, Augustine is he low poly Pokemon. Um, still his most iconic designs, I yeah. think. Um, so yeah, to follow up in the in the footsteps of the Ispile eco-friendly um question we did get a um tweet at us from andy spoo um about yorkshire tea um shipping their tea in uh, well pla tea bags essentially and andy commented something like ah you just you're moving the link i was gonna click that (laughs) (laughs) uh we're using google docs here by the way for our show notes um he commented, hey, um, yeah, they're moving to PLA tea bags because they say it's eco-friendly, but, and he's not convinced, it may be better than petroleum-based plastic, but it still fills landfills and creates microplastics. Sounds like a marketing ploy to me. So that was, that was um, he, he put up the Yorkshire tea as an example yeah. and not as a, you know, just saying. Okay, so. Yeah. Does... PLA, if you commercially composed it, create microplastic. So does it does it, what what does composting mean? Does composting just mean everything breaks to tiny bits that you can't separate them anymore from the dirt that's that's around it? Or does this mean it breaks yeah, basically the- down to its to, 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 to its well, yeah. To basic its base parsic, chemical compounds, yeah, base, yeah. something, um, and that is actually and does, something. Does I've... it make that eco-friendly again, or is is that stuff then harmless? 
Okay, that, that's quite a few details to that question. Um, but yeah, that, that, that first point, does it just break down? Does it just break down into smaller and smaller particles? That's something that I've wondered about with PLA as well, because like the, the composting, you put it into an industrial composter where PLA gets does get composted. Mm-hmm. Um, but is does that just mean it is actually just becoming smaller particles that you don't see anymore? I do not know. I So far, I've always thought it, it's, it actually gets composted into compost into usable soil-like matter again um so the, the the composting itself is microorganisms actually eating up your your input matter and it's it, you know outputting it into whatever they're excreting um that is then able to be used by mm. plants organisms other yeah. organisms as as food again that is that is a great question I don't know either. It it would be interesting. It would be really interesting to know because if normal plastic breaks down via UV light and creates microplastic, is that in the end the same, or is that is there a a proper definition? Yeah. What pro- there is probably a, so, so so with with PLA actually being supposedly being compostable, as in digestible by microorganisms, mm-hmm. I would assume that as it breaks down or if it breaks down into microplastic, that just increases its surface area so much that it now is much much easier for microorganisms to get in and digest mm-hmm. whatever they can digest yeah. in that. Yeah. So, I mean, for for PLA microplastic to be be an issue, it would need to be non compostable. Mm. would be my take um yeah as far as it filling up landfills um i mean you your tea bags you have in your in your biomel well i guess some countries don't have trash separation so um, but yeah if you use paper this is also additional mass that lands in the landfills um yeah though it is a more primary um like source of materials like the pla that's made also from starches but way more processed um notes note about landfills though um i'm uh i'm not 100 certain on the ratios here but a lot of the trash that is um that is collected here, at least in, in Germany, is actually being burned for energy. So it's being put into, um, I guess, what used to be coal power plants and stuff, or specific trash burning power plants, and it's being converted into electricity. Um, at that stage, considering that PLA is made from a bio, bio or biomaterial, from a starch that does take up carbon while it's growing, mm-hmm. um, theoretically, it should be carbon neutral ish like obviously that the production of pla does have its own emissions so at least on the on the carbon side pla would be much better than um than using a a petroleum based exactly polymer yeah yeah but it is definitely still worse than using you know the the, the filter fabric um paper based yeah. tea bags yeah i do assume that is paper is it is it uh some sort of autofocus come on is it some sort of um uh, cloth material more, more i have asked myself the same s- same thing again uh why my toilet paper just disintegrates as soon as it touches water and why a tea bag is able to hold its shape and also well still have 
some kind of strength when it was yeah. submerged for a certain amount of time in in, in the hot tea water. I guess, I guess it's, it's just long fibers. Because it's the same with this stuff. Um, what is this called in English even? Paper towels. Paper towels. Paper towels. Um, look the same as white toilet paper or, or American-sized toilet paper, but um, <laughs> it's it's just longer fibers that don't break apart so easily. So yeah. tea bags probably the same thing. So yeah, PLA probably worse than than traditional tea bags. Why do they have to? I mean, the 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 Yorkshire Terrier are those like double triangular? Yeah, the uh, tetrahedron tetrahedron yeah. shaped ones. Um, Why? Why do you use tea bags in the first place? Just so, just be, so I, be be a civilized person and use loose tea. No, no, don't use don't use those mesh sieves. They're horrible. Why? Because like the the size uh, the the whole size in in your metal sieve is so big that a lot of the small particles. Okay. Okay, yes. So for for hold on, we we can actually the autofocus should work here. I'm I'm hoping no, no. Those, yes. So you can see there is some particle banner in there. Stefan, sorry, you can't see that right now, but because no. that I mean this is honeybush, so Okay. It's a lot it's 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 tree bark. But if you have actual like green or black tea made from not just the dust they collect at the bottom of the factory, those tea leaves are big enough to be caught in here. Well. I used to drink a lot of black tea and not just the 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 cheap stuff. And I was experimenting a lot and and searched a long time for a a proper tea sieve and all of the the mesh ones or at least the usual mesh ones they were always way too coarse and I ended up getting it's it's part injection molded part a really really fine sieve sieve from Teek Schwentner okay. which is great because um even the really fine particles they don't end up in in your tea in the end and this is especially interesting if you're only making yourself like one cup of tea all right right i do have those those metal um sieves from from Schwentner as well but they they're like they're blazer punched blazer engraved or something right those those little perforations mm -hmm. in just it's basically a stainless sheet wrapped and then little tiny holes punched to it that's, no that's i think i think mine was also uh like a cloth but way okay. finer than the standard stainless steel ones that you you get from others yeah well, i don't know just just my experience like yeah Maybe to get back to the question, why are uh, uh, plastic bags uh, better than the the paper ones? Um, are they? Oh, for for functionality, right? For functionality, um, they the, the the plastic. I think the plastic tea bags they have bigger holes and allow the water to just like get into the tea and away from okay. the tea way more efficiently than the really fine paper mesh right and I, I guess it, it also allows the tea leaves to float around a bit it gives it a bit yeah. of space instead of being constrained yeah <sighs> there should be also the option to make at least the same shape with paper but yeah. there has been a trend for a couple of years ago where those pyramid shaped um tea bags were so popular because they were 
way better for the aroma. Maybe in the end, it's just marketing shenanigans. I, I would guess so. <laughs> Show me a double blind test that, that confirms that and, and I'll <laughs> believe you. But unless you do, it's like, <laughs> mm. yeah. But And also I'll, I'll keep using my, my metal saves because they, they work for me. If, they, if they work for you, that's fine. Won't force you into buying new stuff. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Got, got enough tea accessories already. <laughs> I should also start drinking more tea again. Uh, coffee is just... It's, it's too much of a high for too short of a time. Black tea was always treating me better and also... Yeah. But let, um, let's continue on the topics. So, yeah. Uh, by the, just, just one last note. Tea World... Um, shop that i can highly recommend i bought my my um my honey bush and a ton of, of black and green teas they're all very good stuff hmm. they're from they're actually not that far from me they're like an hour from me so okay cool can't you can't just visit, visit them at them well okay uh <laughs> maybe just another short correction because i think we last time talked about brexit and things involved with that and import taxes and there was a time when Prusa wasn't wasn't shipping to the UK, but supposedly they shipped to the UK again. So you can buy more Prusa mint and uh, original printers. Prusa 3D printers by Joseph Prusa. Yeah, if you have some time to wait, uh, you can also buy printers. <laughs> Well, but the the mark the mar I think the mark threes are only three or four time uh, four weeks currently um, back order, but a mini is eleven twelve weeks. Yeah. I think I think the mark threes were even in in stock at some point uh, around New Year's. Okay. <laughs> wow. uh, it's it's kind of sad because well i'm oh. i'm really impatient impatient when i order something i would like to have it right away and if you right have to wait for such a long amount of time you just potentially run into the point where you read something bad about the product and you question all your decisions that you made a couple of weeks back there there i i think there are actually two two points to this or two aspects to this um yes the the point that the longer you have to wait for something the less you want it which is actually something that i'm running into a lot with ordering stuff from china when it's just hey you're trying to build something and you're ordering i don't know a sensor or a bearing or whatever from china and it's like well, this might be four to eight weeks until it gets there and your project's just on hold until then. Mm. That sucks. Um, but the other point to that is, um, which has been a study, um, by the way, shout out to the, the Minkorek podcast, um, a study on, well, I'm hoping I'm, I'm, I'm resetting this correctly, What a how a vacation makes you happy. Um, and there are, you know, three four four kind of distinct stages to a vacation um that all get you that relaxing effect um the first one the planning the second one the anticipation um the third one the actual vacation and then the fourth one of course having the memories and and uh, photos and, and stuff to um to relive that experience so I don't know, maybe by, by extending that antip anticipation stage, um, mm. the, you know, a Prusa buyer is actually happier in the end. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's it's better if if you're 
don't get something and you're overhyped um and yeah may maybe expect more than it then it really delivers in the end it's better to wait a bit of time and you're not anticipating it that much anymore and you it's more smoothly going i don't know but yeah um speaking speaking of um china imports did you know that um so in, in germany there is a zollfreigrenze an import tax free allowance, thing, allowance. yeah so I think everything that is below uh, 30 bucks declared value, uh, including shipping and everything that's connected to it. Few, few different ones. Ones for, for uh, actually having value-added tax, which is like, I yeah. think 20, it used to be 25 at least. And then there's yeah. the, the actual Zollgebühr, uh, the yeah. actual inputs fee, which is 150-ish or something. Mm. Okay. But basically anything that you purchase and is around 20 to 30 bucks usually did not have to pay any uh, import taxes and um and uh value tax on it yeah and in germany they are going to change that by the mid of this year and you will need to pay import taxes from the first cent of value onwards i think there's still a as far as i have read it a um, an allowance if that's what you what you need to pay is less than five bucks it's also okay again but there's okay. no um import tax allowance anymore which i don't know i, I think for I, once will make quite a lot of work for our import department so so I, I as far as i'm aware that that same if it's less than x amount we're not charging it um and that's the same thing that has led to that 30 or 25 euro allowance mm. for for that um not being claimed um so really not much is going to change in that regard right because it's still if if you're saying okay that is 19 percent currently mm. um that is still uh math it's still 25 bucks right yeah yeah so so untaxed value of 25 bucks that, that is exactly the same we have today some at least something changes and okay. yeah i mean if, I, if there's something that that is going to make importing or buying on aliexpress a pain because I've, i know how much of an issue or how much of a of an effort it is to pick up something from the customs office like you have to print out your the invoice you got which usually you don't have you have to print out like uh your payment receipt um an article description uh, a listing of okay you paid this much the shipping was this much etc etc and then for me it's like a half hour drive to even get there because you can't mail it in because or you can't send it via email because like what what year do, do we live in you know um yeah if it just makes it more effort to to buy stuff that's that sucks um on the other hand if if for example dhl does the the importing for you they're going to charge you 12 euros 50 for each uh for each shipment that comes in doesn't matter if it's just 20 cents of import fees that they're charging but yeah. you know they had to do the paperwork for you so they're going to charge you for it yeah I, I think for me as a business it's it's not that bad because i'm always happy if dhl does all of that stuff and i don't need to worry about anything and just 
pay for it in the end, but as a private person or if you order a lot of stuff that can that can pile up and yeah. might prevent you from from ordering stuff uh from far east um i don't Absolutely. know if that was really the reason the reason behind that new new regulation um it's uh we'll see it's germany doing its trade war thing with china yeah i don't think so on the topic of, of china and importing uh, 3d printers there's been a article from uh, heise who that that claims that the um Ender 3 SD card file.zip that Creality is providing for their Ender 5 um, contains or at least registers as a Trojan with uh, Microsoft Defender. So it's saying this is uh, Okami C9C or a severe threat um, or Contaban.ob exclamation mark ML. Um... Trojan script. Do we? I. I mean, could be a false positive. Could be something that slipped up at Creality. Could be mm. something that's in there intentional. The thing yeah. is, we we don't know much about it yet. But in general, you know, when you're running software that comes on an SD card, uh, <laughs> or you know, when, when you're running any software from a from a company that you don't fully trust, just be careful. Maybe don't yeah. run it on the, on the same you know laptop that you have your your company details on or your company access mm. stuff on it mm. um, but in the end people are lazy well, I'm, I'm gonna hold it up again but there is my run everything that comes on an sd card computer that you know is literally doing just that and is you know even the hdmi out uh, to the capture card for live stream so this has nothing on it and this gets all the questionable software that manufacturers like to include yeah it's probably a smart move but not something that everyone can uh, do yeah yeah the article was released just this morning shortly after midnight and they also said that they asked reality for a statement but so far they haven't received any statement so yeah just 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 be aware if um you are thinking about downloading the SD card files for your Ender 5 from the Creality website. Yeah. Um, there's there's one tangent that I wanted to bring up for for this in general is why don't manufacturers just put their profiles into like the real software, the real Cura? Because I mean that this is this is Cura, right? This is uh, Creality's skinned version of Cura, essentially. Um, Creality didn't improve anything uh, in Cura. They didn't add any features. They didn't fix any bugs. It is literally just Cura taken. They re they they re searched and replaced uh, Ultimaker with Creality, and they added a new graphic for the splash screen, and that's it. That is Creality Cura. And of course, they added their profiles. But there's nothing stopping them from adding it into the official Ultimaker Cura. Um, I do believe they take submissions. Um, you know, just like Prusa Slice, it does take submissions for uh, manufacturers that want to provide their printers profiles. Why do you need to create your own forked version of that software when you're not adding anything that you couldn't do by contributing to the mainline project? Um, because, I mean, 
with that, with having your own version, what you're doing to your customers, you're giving them something that's going to go out of date, that's going to be, uh, that that's not going to be maintained, that eventually or, or possibly is going to even have security flaws that are not going to get patched unless you as the one who created your own branded version of it uh, is actually maintaining it, which probably isn't going to happen to the extent that the original developer would do. So just, just, my my suggestion to manufacturers just you know put put the effort in not, well it's not even that much more effort it's not even more effort uh be lazy <laughs> be lazy even. and just put your profiles in prusa slicer or ultimate akira it just makes for a better experience for the end user it makes your life easier the only thing you're giving up is you're not having a pseudo branded piece of software that you can deliver yeah mm don't understand it either but yeah it's, i i think it's just the pride that it's like oh our our printer runs with ultimate Cure or with uh prusa slicer no reality slicer runs with reality slicer i mean reality slicer is good for what it is right now um it's what i use with the end of 3v2 because it has the profiles in there but you know, if you ha- if you gave me the choice, do you want to use Creality branded Cura or do you want to use Prusa Slicer with a an official Creality profile? I would go for Prusa Slicer every single time. Yeah, or just like the most recent version of 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 Cura. Yeah, same thing. It's I um I tried to download Creality Slicer a couple of weeks ago, and it is really hard to find. I think. Maybe I'm stupid and I didn't properly, well, didn't didn't find the right link. But the only way I was able to download uh, Creality Slicer was downloading the SD card files for my Android 3 Pro. So the interesting thing there is that you have all of this redundancy that there is one version of Creality Slicer in that SD card zip file. There is another one in in the end they probably don't maintain it but why don't have why 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 don't they just have like one download link that is always the latest version and is easily accessible i just don't understand it um also one thing i actually ran into with the elegu neptune 2 that i unboxed a week ago is they also have their own elegu slicer which is cura for i don't don't know what, what cura numbers we're on but Elegoo Slicer actually conflicts with Creality Slicer because it's using the same config directory that has not been changed from mainline Cura. So now Elegoo Slicer is is opening up and it's saying like, hey, I detected these four broken profiles for Creality Ender 3 v2 and Creality Ender 3 and Creality... The, uh, Creality Belt Slicer is actually good about that. But like you... They, it doesn't, doesn't work. It doesn't work together. So... Um, I'm I'm sure the next time I'm opening up a Creality Slice, it's going to be like, hey, I detected these profiles for uh, Elgu Neptune uh, that's broken. Would you like to delete these? <sighs> yeah, it's stuff like that where it's they're, 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 they're forking it, but they're not doing it properly. You yeah. could you could give it a, its own config directory, but they didn't. Uh, so yeah, creating, creating issues that uh, don't need to exist. Yeah. All right. Uh, shall we talk about that or shall we go to the... Uh, 
So we, we have we have a topic in here that's uh, first 3D printed home goes up for sale, but I was just going to rant about it and go like, hey, like what, what did I just do? Um, <laughs> I was going to rant about it and go like, hey, they're basically building the outer stud frame walls of a, of a US style bungalow home with a 3D print. And it's like, dude, that's the easiest part of a, of a house to, of a US stud frame house to build. Like, why would you want to 3D print that? That's like, that goes up with two people in two days. Why use tons of concrete for this when you can use, you know, a pile of lumber and, and some, some plywood? Uh, 3D printed houses. I, I still, I still don't. I Get still it. need to visit the house near near Ulm, which is like one hour drive from me and probably two hours drive for you from you. Um, I have recently even seen the seen it on TV and on the inside. It it looks pretty interesting. They will um, put stuck stuck on the wall. Stucco. Um, yeah. Stucco uh, on most of the walls, but but Plaster. some of the walls uh, will remain as printed. <laughs> nice <laughs> so i th think it's going to be a pretty interesting piece of art and it would have been interested uh interesting to to uh, take a look at it during the the, the printing process yeah uh, but yeah, so due to, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah so for, for for that sort of stuff where you actually do unique stuff with 3d printing that you couldn't do with a stud framed wall mm. fantastic probably great application but literally what is what is posted here on, on 3dprinting.com is it's a it's it's basically a US kit home that's like so mundane, so unspecial that it's like mm. there is nothing that three D printing did to this and or added to this. And and again, I it is probably way easier and way more effective to build it traditionally. Because the system mm. that, that the US builds houses is just it is optimized for being fast and cheap. And if you place the fast and cheap part with something that you think is innovative, you're not gonna you're not gonna be very good at it. But you have concrete walls. I well, I mean, honestly, okay, honestly, um, if I were to build a house, I would do a stick frame build uh, because if you do that properly, even if even in tornado zones, if you tie it down, you know, with more than what code requires. Because code is really just the the worst possible way you're allowed to build something. If you tie it down, not a problem. And you can you can insulate um, sparse stud frame walls. You can insulate those really well too. Mm -hmm. It's like I don't know. It's it's just a if I would have the choice. In the end, same amount of money, like a a a, a brick house or a wood frame house i would probably go for the brick house because just just from my inner feelings stone feels better made for the future and with uh, having a a wood house and plenty of insulation house i would always be kind of scared of that thing rotting away if, if if it's built properly, like the, the, if it's built the, properly, but really then good. you need to do it in the, uh, you, and then you probably need to do it do it on your own in the end because otherwise you need Perhaps, to trust yeah. somebody. Then what I two two things I I, I find fascinating about um, you know the typical stud frame walls uh, or stud frame built houses is first of all 
your walls are empty, which means you can run new stuff in them, as in new wires or new conduit um, mm. ventilation, whatever you want to run in there. You can do that, whereas with a brick house, that is not just a huge huge mess, but also most of the time impossible. Mm. Um, and also, you can change the layout. Um, for example, this house um, that I'm in, in the basement of right now was built in 1988, 89. And it's got a layout from that time, which means lots of rooms that are maybe a bit small and the upstairs where i live is you know has a has a large hallway that's not used for anything it's a rather small kitchen two small rooms in the back and one living room that's divided up by the chimney in the middle so that space is kind of borked too with a stud frame wall uh, house you could just you know take out a couple walls and be like well i'm changing this up you know in a in a month or so this is all gonna look way different and you know with brick most of that stuff is load carrying and you know yeah you know yeah yeah probably right about that yeah there are pros and cons for <laughs> for both sides i think in the end they can both do equal equally well and you gotta decide which is what what is more important for you our house is now basically all the lower part is, is brick walls and everything which is is new now is also just uh yeah wood frame wood studs and even though we had it was really cold outside the last couple of days i basically you're wearing a t-shirt right now <laughs> i i basically didn't have to heat in here the insulation there's 40 50 centimeters of, of insulation on Whoa. on on my roof um yeah we i'll i'm excited to see how it's how it's going to be in the summer but the winter so far what's doing pretty good yeah oh well 3d printed house okay that's the uh the kudos stuff getrieben once again so let's do some questions let's try and blaze yep. through these we're at one hour 13 i guess a bit bit less for you guys because we, mm. we like to ramble a bit before we start uh paul do, where are you gonna read that uh, Paul Dominguez Guterres is asking how about printing PLA or PETG powder just curious I think he is referencing our discussion on SLS 3D printing so laser centering um, where you, where usually uh, a nylon powder is used I don't know why PETG or um, PLA powder is not used in that case. Probably because, well, PLA is used in, in FDM 3D printing because it just works so well in that application. Um, Similar thing to PETG. Um, in the end, if you have a machine that's horribly expensive, why not use proper materials on it? I don't know. I, maybe it's depending it's, on the process yeah so for for the um like plastic laser centering printers is there any other material option outside of nylon right now yes there is okay. there is peak there is um there is the eagle dual material the, the bearing material right. um let me just check the eos homepage. I mean, I, I would I would think PLA would not be your prime choice because it's just just by the by the properties of how it melts and at which point it gets soft, um, it might be a bit too low of a melting point or or uh, 
uh, what's the not the glass transition but the proper one anyways the temperature where it gets soft um, probably is too low for the um, SLS uh, printing process that works for nylons um, and I guess you do need a you, you can't print with super rigid materials because you're going to get internal stresses um, mm -hmm. so you, you want something that is like slightly elastic like a nylon um for it to not you know deform too much and warp too much during the printing process so eos which is one of the market leaders in, in sls3 printing they are selling paek which is PEK kind of similar to peak just a little bit different um pa11 pa12 so the usual nylons um, TPE, which is right. just also really interesting. Well, S using TPE in SLS 3D printing gives you quite interesting possibilities due to the flexibility of the material. Polystyrol. Okay. Don't really understand that, to be honest. Uh, maybe, I don't know. Maybe there are specific applications for that. And then there is PP polypropylene, which I understand again in a way because it's very chemically resistant. Yeah. Um, okay. So um, I guess PTG might be might be an option. Yeah. But it's just I don't know. There might not be a market for it. Yeah. If you have all these other uh, all these other materials, the, the thing is also with these. Well, I, I don't know how much it is for, for the um, plastics used, but um, SLS and, and SLM processes, your material cost is not the raw bulk cost of your material. It is actually the process of getting it into a usable mm -hmm. shape, as in a powder that is very consistent in, in, in uh, particle shapes and mm -hmm. sizes. That is the expensive part about your material. You're not paying for a block of, of nylon. You're paying for nylon in powder form specifically mm. so going for a supposedly cheaper material like PTG might not be worth it yeah and pla honestly you know if you had the choice it doesn't really have any favorable properties other than being a starch-based material and being really strong oh and yeah stiff. well that that too especially when it's yeah. heat treated which is what what like those uh one-time use forks and knives are made out of Steen van der Spel is asking a 10 minute benchy sounds as uh, sounds as hold on a 10 minute benchy sounds as a good use case or opportunity of thermal or thermomechanical modeling. Uh, my question do you think or know if it's possible to simulate the 3D printing of a benchy if it's possible either program software code that can do that that are available in a f and are financially accessible for makers? So, fantastic question and fantastic topic. Like, do you uh, is there a software that can dynamically model and simulate the temperature or the the energy deposition you have with fresh filament and how it's being conducted into the rest of your part and how it's being convected away from the part with cooling? It sounds pretty computationally intense, to be honest. <laughs> So I know these types of softwares from metal 3D printing yeah. where it is used in, 
in the first application to simulate the stresses and the distortion of the part, um, where you, where you don't really model the process very precisely, but you basically do calibration part, measure how, how much that deforms and then use that deformation to calibrate your model, uh, which works quite okay. Um, there is there, also, there's the, also on the topic, there's also from, uh, ANSYS are, are big guys in that. Um, as far as I'm aware that they also do the reverse, basically, where you pre-deform your model in the opposite direction, then print it. And because of these stresses in the parts, it pulls it itself back into the shape. Yeah. So that's, that's a really cool approach. Yeah. This is one of the, one of the reasons why this is used because <clears throat> especially with metal 3D printing, there is a significant amount of distortion during the process and if you want to have a part in the end that has proper and precise dimensions you either need to print your part out measure 3d scan it and then do this pre pre-distortion or use simulation in in front of each each process take your stl in there uh, simulate the the process itself distort your stl and basically print a crooked model and end up with a straight part yeah which works surprisingly well um for not every application but but for quite a quite a lot of applications um then there is the possibility to co to go one step further because this is a purely mechanical simulation uh the one step further is a either only thermal simulation where you are interested in finding hotspots in your part so you basically simulate your part in a way that you put each layer of material on your model at once and see just how it cools down so where you have certain areas in your part we don't have where where maybe a lot of energy is is just just concentrated for metal that means uh that you can also get distortions but also the 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 um the grains and, and things like that can uh, be different. So the mechanical properties are different at that locations. Um, this is, I think, something where um, Stin is is looking for because um, or, or interested in because also for FDM 3D printing, it would be interesting. Are there certain locations on your part where your material stays soft for a longer amount of time because cooling is not sufficient or you don't give it enough uh, enough time to cool down and therefore you get badly looking overhangs um there is software to do that there is commercial software to do that but that's usually horribly expensive for, for fdm processes already um i think you could apply these measures in some way also in fdm 3d prints there is the possibility to simulate DED 3D printing, direct energy dep deposition. So wire arc 3D printing or um, laser and then a, a powder nozzle yep. where you do that on a robot. We do exactly that simulation as well to predict hotspots, to predict uh, distortions and things like that. Um, but again, I don't know any like free packages. There aren't to be honest, I haven't worked with a lot of free simulation packages in, in the past. Okay. So, and I wouldn't know that there is anyone where something like that is integrated. Um, so yeah, I think it's not really accessible for makers at the moment. There is, and I also used that in, in my last video, the 
ANSYS student version. And kudos to ANSYS. Uh, they quadrupled the size of the models that you can simulate in there. So you can now do kind of big uh, simulations in there where you, if you know how the software works, could, could quite easily um, set up a model in there and take a look at, at those things. But in the end, the question is, how do you benefit from them if you don't have a feedback loop, for example, in your slicer? Yeah. You, yeah. I think this is something which, which might be interesting for the future where you use these technologies for, for safety critical parts because quality assurance and quality control is something that is not fully developed in general in 3D printing, but I think especially in FDM 3D printing because, um, this is, I think, most prominently a, a technology for, for makers and um, not really like production parts. Yeah. There isn't a lot of uh, quality, automatic quality assurance done at the moment. Yeah. Um, I mean, think about what, what would need to go into such a simulation process. I, it doesn't feel like it would be a very complex setup that you'd need. Um, probably you know, as somebody who has, who has never programmed uh, software for for uh, numerical uh, simulations like that, I'm, I'm I'm probably horribly wrong. But it's like, well, you have you, you get your 3D model, you could grab that mm -hmm. out of uh, Prusa Slicer, right? Uh, dynamically produces uh, 3D models as the mm -hmm. print goes on. Mm. You spawn your new geometry with a certain temperature. You have your trans your mm. your transfer into the existing. You have mm. your your blowing. It it seems like it's something that could be done. And I know there are some packages out there that do um, open source packages that can do a simulation like that. It's just you know how do you interface with that, and mm. that is probably the, the challenging yeah. bit. But yeah, what yeah, do you learn from that? You don't have to print it to to see where it melts mm. down. Yeah, there aren't a lot of tools around yet for in general simulating fdm 3d prints because well i also did in the past just normal like strength simulations of fdm parts but yeah. considering infill pattern and density and things like that things get complicated quite quickly yeah. um and so far there is only one product out there i don't remember its name but there is based it's basically a plugin for cura um, which has an interesting approach because you take your STL model and basically say, okay, this is my boundary conditions. I basically fix it to the floor right here and apply forces at certain areas of the part in specific directions. And what it will do, it will calculate with probably given boundary conditions, um, optimal infill pattern densities, Ooh at specific locations of the parts. I think in the end, it just places uh, mesh modifiers in there. So um, it's if, not if it hugely works, complex. But, but it's like a uh, like a topology optimization approach. I in guess, a way, that, in yeah. a way, yeah. Um, unfortunately, it's not free. Um, I have to be totally honest. I was giving uh, given a uh, trial subscription for that like two months ago, and I haven't tried it out so far. I'm really sorry well, and just didn't get around to that but yeah this is the only integration i i know at the moment um 
it's something it's something but it's it's, it's not exactly what what was you know what no. is, is asking for here but no. yeah it goes in a similar yeah. direction yeah. yeah but what whatever whatever way that could a, a thermal simulation could be implemented it is probably going to be very compute intensive yeah just if, in if, the end, if you're simulating every little infill vertex and yeah it's just so much more detail than just a, a shell uh, out of a solid part. But that is the reason why also if you do uh, simulations for like metal 3D printing parts, you don't simulate each vector that the laser is doing and you don't even simulate each layer of the part. Um, you really make an approach where you add a certain amount of layers at once just yeah. to have the possibility to calculate one of these models, for example, overnight, because otherwise it's not really useful in an industrial application if your simulation model runs for, for two obviously, weeks. Obviously, yeah. yeah. Is that GPU accelerated? Uh, partly, yeah. It depends on the software. Some some are um, GPU accelerated. Um, some others that are maybe a little bit older uh, still use uh, just uh the cpu okay not that if you if you're interested GPUs. in that uh listeners uh check out m m fion uh from from additive works really nice guys from bremen in germany um really interesting metal simulation tool it's not cheap but <laughs> if you are in metal 3d printing um it might you might still you might still be able to count a uh calculate a return of investment yeah Fit. Shout out to Jon. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so, okay. Yeah. No, I'm. I'm not going to stretch the topic anyway, no. anymore. Okay. Uh, I guess. I guess tying into that, let's let's do the last question. Um, Dustin Speed is asking. <laughs> Dustin Speed is asking about the 10 minute benchy. Um, what are your criteria for the benchy? Like, what wh what are you looking for in a good benchy? And what layer height? How many shells? Dustin's looking for a challenge. Like that's that's something that um, at Earth has been done, um, where it was like, okay, you get, I think there was a thirty-minute and a one-hour challenge where you get that amount of time, and a judge has to be there to to start your print, and a judge has to be there for you to take it off of the print, uh, off of the printer, and it was then judged on you know how good does it look, and uh, is is it strong, is it dimensionally accurate, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, Stefan, what are you looking for when you push the speed of a bench? I, I've seen the um, the first one you did, and that mm. was it was a benchy, yes, but <laughs> not not a particularly good one. Um, so I I didn't like point out any um, any rules for that, but I have seen at the end of last year and and for the last two months. Um, a well video series called or at least tagged with hashtag speedboat challenge on YouTube uh, where people from the community posted their speed benchies with a at least somehow um, outlined set of rules so you must use a, a specific range of materials um the layer height was specified and, and things like that i still need to dig deeper into that as soon as i i find the time and 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 uh tackle that but i think using those those rules um the time now for the fastest three benchy 
got down to six and a half or even five minutes ah. on a Delta printer. And the print in the end, of course, it doesn't look super beautiful. But everyone who has ever seen a Banshee could say, okay, yeah, this was a Banshee. The chimney doesn't look nice, but the rest of the part can be printed really, uh, really nicely, even in just six minutes. I mean, the, the condition, hey, this this could be interpreted as a Banshee. That's not a very, uh, very, very strict rule, but yeah. Um, I think it's... Paul Paul Poxdellas. Paul Poxdellis was was suggesting for the Earth Challenge to 3D scan the Banshees and to have a criterion on, <laughs> like you, you do a comparison between yeah. the scan and the and the STL model and just for every you you sum up or you, you sum up the the distances between both models. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know what I mean. But and. Sum that up, and who has the smallest sum has the best looking Benji yeah. because otherwise it's hard to judge. Um, I don't That's... know, I'll, I'll take a look at that when, yeah. as soon as yeah. I can do it. But there need to be, it, it's good that there are at least some rules because that might be something interesting and could also spark some interesting ideas in that direction either how to print as fast as possible or also what to. What equipment you use for that? What material is best yeah. suited for that? Where are your bottlenecks? Well, for PLA, it's going to be cooling. <laughs> I can yeah, tell you that much. Cool. I tried, yeah. and it's uh, PLA has a very, very uh, low low ceiling, high ceiling. You can't push PLA very far because your part just melts down. Yeah, so. there is. Um, I, I already tried a bit of speed printing on my Voron, uh, even though uh, that that's not my like current task for it. But I have a couple of rolls of the na how's it called Tiamat 3D Nano Diamond PLA, right, yeah. which the stuff that's supposed to to crystallize. That stuff prints so nice at fast speed. Um, uh, way better than standard PLA. It, it got it gets um, hard really fast, and it's supposedly also made for printing fast. Okay. Um, so pretty cool. Now yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to comparing different materials and see see what what's best to be used for that application. But yeah, um, I'll post a link to the video and the speedboat race challenge down in the description for everyone who wants to submit their own speed benchy. Yeah, I mean, at, at a certain point, you, you just can't compete with an industry anymore. You're gonna have to build something that's uh, that's that's custom made for that, like your your Voron uh, V zero. In that yeah. case. All right, and that is all the topics we had for today. Um, it is wow, nine twenty-five p.m. Uh, we're both getting tired. Thank you all for so much for sticking around through this podcast. Uh, thank you, Stefan, for taking the time. Thank you for your time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Um, if you have questions for us to discuss, put them down into the YouTube comments or tweet uh, at the Melt Zone. Uh, if you want to support us, there are Patreon links for both of us down in the description. All right. Yeah. That was going to be Thanks. it for today. Thank you all and goodbye. Bye-bye.